Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church sermon podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. I invite you to find your Bibles and turn in them to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. As you're turning, let me tell you a little story about Abraham and his 13-year-old son Isaac. It was another school day and Isaac was sent home from school for bad behavior. Abraham was at wit's end and he doesn't know what to do. One day he's outside and he's talking it over with his Catholic neighbor named Frank. Abraham says, I just don't know what to do with my son. And Frank replied, why don't you send him to one of those strict Catholic schools? Those nuns there, they know how to handle those kinds of boys. Abraham was not thrilled with this idea, sending his Jewish son to this Catholic school. But none of the Jewish schools in the area would accept him anymore because of his reputation of being that kind of troublemaker. So Abraham goes ahead and he sends his son to that Catholic school. It was a couple months later, after he had been going to Our Lady of Perpetual Help for a couple of months, there was no problem in school at all. So Abraham, one day, he asks his son Isaac, he said, Isaac, why is it that you're behaving so well right now? His son responds, well, when I got there, they showed me this picture of this Jewish boy being hung on a cross. And right then I knew these nuns meant business. But thank goodness we know the true story of that man that hung on that cross, that Jew on that cross. And thank goodness our kids don't need that kind of aha moment in their life to wise up. Again, I want to say good morning to you. We're glad that you chose to join and worship with us this morning to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to embark on a six-week journey through a sermon series I've called AHA. AHA stands for Awakening, Honesty, Action. It's based on a book by Kyle Eidelman with that same name. Over the next six weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be exploring what causes these awakenings, how being honest, brutally honest, how it gives us insight, insight that leads us to actionable moments in our life, moments that can change us to help us to change our lives for God. But first, we need to understand, what is aha? What is it? According to Merriam-Webster, the word aha is defined as used to express surprise, triumph, or derision. Used when something is suddenly seen, found, or understood. A sudden understanding, some kind of recognition or resolution. It's that moment when that proverbial light bulb comes on in your mind. It's that moment when we've discovered that some of the things that we've done, some of the decisions that we've made have taken us away, taken us off to a distant land, taken us to a land far away from the Father. You know, after I became a follower of Christ, I was amazed when I realized that there were several people that I knew that I didn't really know, though, that they were already Christians. And they came and they told me about their aha experience. They told stories of the choices that they had made that took them away from the Father, that led them out to the distant land where they were living, and how their selfish desires, how they had taken them to this point of desperation. And that's when. That's when they finally went home to God. But you see, it never ceases to amaze me the different responses that people have when we tell them that we're a follower of Jesus Christ. 
that you've come home to be with a father. And believe me, when I say I've heard many of these stories, and I'm sure you've heard them as well, right? The responses that you get are things like this. What's the first thing they do? A lot of times it's the eye roll, right? Okay, you know, here we go again. Or maybe you've got this disgusting sigh. <sighs> There's the bold, stop, stop right there. I don't want to hear about your religion. There's the excited that say, welcome home, brother. Welcome home, sister. Or there's the skeptical, well, good for you. Good for you. And then there's those, these aha stories. Let me relate a true story to you here right now. I'm not going to use any names, but here's the story. He was spending a lot of time at the local bar. It seems that his home life was falling apart. His relationship with his wife and his family were failing. And rather than spending time with his family trying to fix up his relationship, well, he decided he would rather just go out to a bar. He felt more welcome there. He didn't feel threatened when he was out there. But one day when he came home, he found his house empty, completely empty. The wife, the children, they have moved out and they didn't leave anything behind to let him know where they had moved to. The only thing that he knew to do at that point was he went right back to the bar. After several drinks, he decided to go out and take a walk. As he was walking around, he found himself standing right in front of a church. It was late, and he didn't expect the door to be open. He didn't expect anyone to be there, but something prompted him to try the door. And well, the door was open, and he went in, and he was just looking around. There were a few lights on, but nobody seemed to be there. And he called out, hello, is anyone here? Silence was all he got. He walked up to the front of the church, right up to the altar. He fell down on his knees, and in that moment, God started to speak to him. I don't know what the conversation he had with God was like that night. But I can tell you the first words out of God's mouth were this. As God spoke to him, he said, welcome home. Welcome home. See, I've heard and I've read many of these stories. Stories similar to that story. I've encountered many aha stories that are very, very dramatic. Where people are in moments of desperation that lead to that aha moment in their life. And I've heard some that were very subtle. Let me tell you one about a teenage girl who's being pressured, pressured by her boyfriend to have sex with him, but she didn't do it because God had revealed the true nature of her boyfriend's intentions. And so what happens? She broke up with him. She did that to save herself. Girls, let me speak to you for just a moment. This is so important. If your boyfriend, if he cannot control his sexual desires and he uses that as a means to establish a relationship with you, then he's out of control. He is out of control. Do you understand? He's out of his mind. He doesn't have a God-centered mind. All I can encourage you to do is don't fall for it. Girls, I'm going to tell you, as a father of a precious teenage daughter myself, let me tell you, you are more precious than that. You are. It always seems to start with something small, something seemingly insignificant, and then it blows up from there. When we look at Scripture, if you study the aha moments that we find in Scripture, you discover there's a consistent collision of three factors in these stories. Kyle Eidelman, in his book, he calls them the three ingredients. The three ingredients, they come together and they produce aha. They are the sudden awakening, the brutal honesty, and immediate action. In the Bible, it is full of stories, full of them where aha has occurred. But I believe, I believe maybe the one that most clearly relates to this aha scenario, one of Jesus' most well-known parables, it's found in the Gospel of Luke. It's that parable of the prodigal son. Most of you, you probably are very familiar with this story. But whether you are or not, for the next six weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to study the story that Jesus told here because it can teach us a lot about God, about Jesus, about ourselves, and about aha. 
My prayer is that by the end of this series, that each one of you, that you will have an aha story to tell, a story of how God has changed your life. But before we get there, we need to start at the beginning. You know every story has a beginning, right? A story, it has to start somewhere. There has to be this once upon a time thing that sets the story up. Let's see if you can name some of these stories by their beginnings. What story began this way? A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars, right. How about this one? Old Bob Marley was dead as a doornail. A Christmas carol, very good. Now this one, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Oh, I know you teachers know this one. A Tale of Two Cities. Some of you know your literature. You see, the beginnings of stories, they are very important. Why? Because they set the stage. They set the tone for what's going on. They tell you about what life is like before the story actually begins. The beginning of the story, it often says a lot about what's going to happen at the end of the story. But sometimes what happens as we start talking about the aha moments that marks that story, sometimes we forget about how that story gets started. A story can be so defined by what changes that many times we forget about the beginning of the story. Why is the beginning so important? Because the beginning, it tells the story. It sets the stage. Think of any rags to riches story that you ever heard of. Without the rags part, there are no riches part, are there? No. In the story we find in Luke 15, it's the beginning and it sets the stage. It tells us what life was like, what it was like before the story takes place and maybe... Maybe it even gives us a hint about what the end of the story will be. Let's look at our passage for this morning. Please stand in honor of reading God's word. We're in Luke chapter 15. We're going to be reading only two verses this morning, verses 11 and 12. It says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the truths of your word. We thank you that your word is infallible and it's applicable to us today. Help us understand what it is you're trying to teach us through this passage, how we can apply that to our lives, how we can understand the beginnings of our life and our story and where our aha moment has been or will be coming up. God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for working in us and through us. It's in your name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. Let me begin by saying this. The story here begins where? Where did this story begin? At home. The story here begins at home. The father, he has his two sons. They have a home together. They live together. They share an estate together. This father is obviously not a poor man. He has enough wealth that his younger son wants it, and he wants it now. They have a good life. If you'd read to the end of the story in the latter verses of Luke 15, you'd see that the father had servants. The father had livestock. So we can clearly see that this place, this home, was actually a good place to be. But there was something there. Something in this younger son that made him want to leave the home, no matter how good he had it at home. When the son asks his father for his share of the inheritance, he's effectively saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I have to think that didn't go over very well in that day and age, just as it wouldn't do very well in our age today. But imagine saying that in that culture back then, because if you don't understand it, back in that culture, that father, he could have legally beaten his son for saying such a thing. The son is obviously immoral. He is rude and he is selfish. He has become so obsessed with doing what he wants, when he wants, that he treats his own father with the utmost disrespect. I think we could all agree here that this request, it started off something that came out a little bit selfish. 
He probably didn't intend to break his dad's heart when he was making this request. He probably never meant to destroy his family relationships, the relationships he had with his whole family. But what started as a little bit of selfishness, a selfish ambition, a desire to go out and make it on his own, do it his own way, a desire to to do all that, to make it without anyone looking over his shoulder, trying to tell him what to do, it ended up costing him more than he could have ever imagined. And it's easy to see on this side of the story where we are today to think, well, this younger son, well, he was obviously crazy. He was crazy. He has lost his mind. It's easy to pretend that we've never done something so foolish in our lives. But my guess is this. If we were really honest with each other today, we'd have to admit that we've left home too at one point or another. Now, I don't mean leaving the house where you grew up as a child. That's actually a healthy thing for an adult to do. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is this. A home like the home in this parable that Jesus is telling home where the father is because you know that the father in this story you know that it's more than a fictional dad right in this parable when this younger son leaves home what he is doing is he is leaving God he's leaving the good good father leaving him behind leaving him in the dust so what is it what is it that makes us want to leave home what makes us want to live a life apart from God what is it that drives us to leave the good good father a father that has always provided for us and and a desire to do it to get out there and live and live our own way I imagine our requests they start off as something that came out just a little bit selfish just like this young man we never intended to break the father's heart we never mean to destroy the relationships in our life as we go down this path But what started as a little selfish ambition, what started as a desire to make our own way without someone, anyone looking over our shoulder, it ends up costing us more than we could ever imagine. Friends, sin will always take you further. Sin will always keep you longer. It will always cost you more than you intended it to cost, more than you can actually ever afford. We know that God cares for us, right? We know God provides for us. We know God has saved us from our sins. I mean, after all, home is good, but there's something, something within us, something that makes us want to leave, kind of like a moth flying towards that bright light because, oh, it's so bright, it's so pretty, I want to fly into that light. Sometimes we just can't resist the urge to take our inheritance and go. So if we know that home, if we know that it is such a good good place why does anyone leave this home in the first place what would make this younger son want to leave his father's house in our remaining time together we're going to look at some of the possible reasons why he did this and why we do this in our lives first under number one it's because we want this thing called instant gratification you know what that's like right i want it and i want it right now Give it to me. See, one of the reasons that we leave the Father's house is because of our desires for this thing called instant gratification. Anyone here like to wait? You just can't wait to wait. We're not good at waiting, right? None of us like to wait. We're used to what? Think about it. We got, what, instant messaging, instant coffee, instant downloads, instant access, instant approval, instant oatmeal, instant soup, instant winner. But a lot of the Christian life, a lot of living in the Father's house is based on what? It's based on this thing called delayed gratification. And we don't like it. Why? Because we want it. And when do we want it? Now. We want it now. You see, we might be close to the Lord. And we might even be saved. But we still live in a fallen world. So we have to wait. We have this sure hope of heaven. Scripture tells us that. But we're not there yet. So what happens is we have to wait. 
In Romans 8.28, we're given a promise there. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. But as life challenges continue to bombard us from every direction in our life, it sure doesn't seem to be happening, does it? So what do we have to do? We wait. And after waiting for a while, it's easy to get sick of waiting. And we start to think, I've waited long enough, God. I want it, and I want it right now. And so we leave the Father's house. We launch out. We take off on our own adventure. We're looking for what we think that we should have right now. What we think that we're owed in our life. The first reason we leave the Father's house is because we want this thing called instant gratification. The second reason we leave the Father's house for that faraway land of sin is this. Number two is entitlement. You know this one too, right? It typically goes something like this. Give it to me. I deserve it. I may not have earned it, but I deserve it. We see that all the time in our country today. And it's a dangerous mentality of entitlement. The attitude's like this. I've been faithful for long enough. Now I deserve a break. I've been good for long enough. Now I deserve to have some real fun, God. I, you know, I've been doing it your way. I've been patient long enough. Now I deserve this fulfillment in my life. And I want to do it my way. I've done it God's way long enough. I deserve to do some things the way I want to do them in my life. It kind of feels like this. You're going in and out the same door time and time again. You get up, you go to work, you leave work, you go home, and you repeat day after day after day after day. Watch this video clip. Hey, what can I get for you? Uh, yes, I want ice cream. And you want chicken too? Oh, I just spilled. Your food will be out in just a little bit. Obviously, in this story, the father represents God, and the younger son represents, well, most of the rest of us. I need more fries. If you've ever thought about chucking it all and starting over, if you've ever thought that you wanted more and deserved better, if you've ever felt like you were being held back, or you were missing out, or that you wanted to do things your own way, then perhaps you can identify with this younger son. felt like that like you're on this never-ending reel of in and out and back and forth and going through these motions you're in and out of church wondering when will I finally get the reward that I deserve but friends what this mentality forgets is this one of the core aspects of living a life saved by grace is what we don't deserve it not one bit of it we don't deserve any of the good things that God has to offer to us but here's the neat thing. He offers them to us anyway. And he offers them to us freely. It's not about doing enough good things. It's not about doing them for a long enough period of time. We can't earn the right to leave the Father's house. It's about accepting it. The gift of grace that God has for you. A gift that we didn't deserve in the first place. First, we leave because we want instant gratification. Second, we leave for that faraway land of sin because of our belief of this entitlement that we have in our life. We'll close looking at the third common reason that people leave for this faraway land of sin, and it's this, bitterness. It's an attitude of bitterness that says, I can do it better on my own. I know a better way. It's more pleasing. It's more exciting. It's my way. We really get this idea from this younger son. Look at it in Luke 15 too. 
It says there, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Look, it's not that the father didn't provide for him. It's not that there was nothing to do on this family estate. It's not that there was anything that the father was lacking that the son didn't have. You get this sense that this son, he just wanted to do it his own way. He wanted to do it on his own. He wanted to pry his own hand. He wanted to be his own master. He wanted to lead his own life. In some way, this third attitude here is kind of like a combination of those first two attitudes put together. You want something now, and you think that you've earned it. You're tired of waiting for it, so you just forget about God. You forget about Him, and you go out and you just want to do it your own way. But what this attitude forgets is this. The Christian life. Life living in the Father's house is about being a slave. The Apostle Paul, he uses language frequently that shows that he's a slave of Christ. For example, look at Romans 1.1. It says, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and singled out for God's good news. Sure, okay, a volunteer slave he was, but a slave nonetheless. A slave has what? He's resigned all of his rights, all of his claims to power, all of the decision making. He has given those up to the master. We as slaves of righteousness, assuming that we truly are slaves of God's righteousness, we surrender to God. We surrender to Him. We don't get to call the shots. He calls the shots because He's the King. Now, before you go running off saying, well, I'm just not going to be a slave to anyone or anything. Nobody's going to control me at all. I want you to understand that what God has offered is this. Wisdom grace and mercy to be able to live that joyful life in this world. And he's also offered us a place to rest our souls, to live life out for eternity. But church, here's one of the most fascinating things about God. Just like the father in this story, you see, he lets us make those kinds of statements. And even though he doesn't like it, he lets us walk away. He lets us go out on our own and understand it's not that he couldn't have done something to stop it. But God is who God is. He allows us to choose him. He allows us to choose to leave him as well. He allows us this thing that we so often call free will. A lot of us at one time or another, maybe for you, maybe it's even right now in your life, you've said one of those statements to the Father and you've just walked away. Let me close with this. Friends, it starts out with just a little request, a little control, a little little harmless pleasure in your life. You're not trying to tell God that he has no place in your life. But you just want to try it. Just this one time. That's all you want to do. Just this one time. God, let me, let me try to do it my way on my own. I mean, after all, I, I've been mostly good in my life. Haven't I been good enough? I've done things your way most of the time. You're not trying to tell God he's not number one in your life. But I get to be a close second to you, God, and I can just do it that way for a while. You're not trying to tell God he was wrong about your marriage. But don't you deserve to be a little happier in your life? You're not trying to tell God that you want nothing to do with him, but isn't it just silly to give your money to the church when you know better what should be done, when you're not in control of it any longer, when when things don't go your way, when things aren't done your way, when your friends, when they're living in bigger and, and fancier houses, when they're driving better cars, newer cars than you are. You may not intend to tell God you wish he was dead, but that's exactly what you are doing, what you're saying with your actions. And here's the truth, friends. We've all left the Father's house from time to time. We've all done it. Some for long periods of time and others shorter periods of time. It's not so much a question of whether or not you've left. It's not a question of what excuse did you use when you left the Father's house. It's more a question of whether or not, whether or not you'll come back. Will you come back? 
Because the beginning of the story can give us a hint. It gives us a hint about what the end of the story is going to look like. The story began in the father's house. The father was lacking nothing. Nothing was missing from this young man's life. Everything was provided in this story. The story could end there too. It doesn't matter why you wanted to leave. What matters is this, whether or not you will come home. That's all that matters. And church, that's what AHA, that's what this whole series is all about. So maybe an AHA story is beginning for you, beginning for you today. Maybe you've been less than accountable to God for your actions, for your attitudes, because, well, you just want to be in control. You feel that you should be in control. Maybe you do allow God to be in control when you're here, when you're at church, when you're in front of church people. You put on your Christian act, and maybe you even feel it's working while you're here. But when you go home, when you get outside these walls, you leave it all behind. You leave God at the church, and you're living your own life when you're out there on your own. Maybe you're tired of eating from the slop the world has been feeding you all this time. Maybe you're tired of the empty promises of these visions of grandeur that the world is trying to sell you. This, the promises of these unrealistic expectations about your body, about what sex should be. Or that good feeling you get from drinking, from drugs. Thinking, well, it's okay because, well, everyone else does it. Maybe you've bought into the worldly lies that just a little bit, just a little bit's okay in my life. You drink just a little. You gamble just a little. You enjoy porn just a little. You swear just a little. You lie or gossip or slander just a little. You steal just a little. And you want to justify that by those big companies. They can afford that. I mean, they can afford it. After all, ain't I entitled to it, right? It was their mistake, and I get to take advantage of it. Maybe you judge people just a little. You just judge them just a little. Some of you are probably judging me right now. That's okay. Maybe you have an inability to hold your tongue. And you scorn people. You gossip. Do it with your sharp tongue. Doing irreparable, offensive damage to new Christians who don't know your way of doing things. They don't know all your rules that you've put into place. I don't know where you are. I really don't know where you are with any of these things today. But when you choose to partake in them, that's when you chose to leave home. To leave the good, good father. Friend, it's time to come home. It's time to stop eating the pig slop that is out there. It's time to release yourself and to know that the Father is waiting for you. I want you to know, there's been times in my life, times that I've been down many of these roads that some of you might have been beyond right now. And it wasn't until I gave my heart over to the Lord, and I mean all of my heart, fully devoted, submitted to Him and His will for my life, that He released me, that He rescued me from the bondage of the worldly lies that I was living, that I was following, that I had bought into. And just like the rest of you, I too can backslide. Friends, that's why it's so important to have fellowship. It's so important to have accountability in your life with like believers I'm forever grateful for what the Lord has done for me. And I want you to experience that as well. But first, you must ask yourself and you must ask Jesus to rescue you. He needs to rescue you from where you are at right now. Will you come to this altar today? Will you be rescued from the pig slop, from the journey that you're on and come back to the Father today? Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620 336 
888-268-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed. And thanks again for listening to the Cherryville First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. And have a blessed day.